0: Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 113 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and your money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, what determines how close you are to complete financial choice, and how to run your business without being in your business. And last week, we had Daniel Aaron, a spiritual teacher, author, entrepreneur, yogi, and single father. Today, we have as our guest, Rob Dubin. Rob is a serial entrepreneur who created multiple seven-figure businesses before retiring at age 42 so he and his wife could spend the next 17 years sailing around the world on their own sailboat. Rob went from sharing his life with billionaires and CEOs to meeting barefoot villagers in over 100 countries and learning from both groups. Rob interweaves lessons learned while sailing with his business experience, resulting in memorable talks. Today, Rob gives back by teaching courses in employee happiness. Rob, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Rennie. I'm a big fan of yours and a big fan of your message. Uh, way more people could be financially secure and financially uh, comfortable if they just put a little bit of focus on it and, and had a little bit of the kind of information that you put out there.
0: Terrific, thank you. Let's start with some questions. Why are you doing what you're doing?
1: Well, as you mentioned, I retired when I was 42, and I'm now 69, and I was very comfortably retired and enjoyed sailing, as you mentioned, for many years. And then when we moved back to the States, I live in a beautiful place in Colorado, and and I get up every morning and decide if I want to go skiing or mountain biking or do something fun like that. And the pandemic was very, very easy for us. We're retired. We didn't have any kids to worry about homeschooling. We didn't have any financial worries and so the so the pandemic was very easy for me but I have a lot of younger friends and I really came to realize how difficult it was for so many people and then when I started hearing more and more about the great resignation during the pandemic and even as the pandemic winding down so many people examining their lives and finding out they were unhappy with the life they were living. And I realized I have a solution for that. I have focused all my life on being happy how to be happy I've mentored others in that and I just felt I needed to be out there in a space when people were hurting If I had a solution, I should be doing it. So I started a motivational speaking business in the last 18 months and I uh, worked a little bit of how I wanted to do what I was going to do, how I could reach the largest group of people. And so what I do now is I consult with corporations who are having trouble with employee engagement. And we have this new term that's been coined in the past month called quiet quitting Mm. to go along with the great resignation and quiet quitting is people basically doing the minimum possible and to still keep their jobs. And I guess it's maximum disengagement, and still having a heartbeat. So uh, I have a solution to that. And a lot of people don't realize that work, I mean, we don't wanna work and be burned out, but work also gives us a huge sense of purpose. And part of being happy is having a sense of purpose. So people that quit during the great resignation, a lot of them found they were m- more unhappy after they quit. They were less burned out, but they weren't. They didn't find the happiness they were seeking. So. Anyway, I have a formula for teaching people how to be happy. It's a result of my living that way for seventy years, nearly seventy years, and studying the science of uh, positive psychology or the science of happiness.
0: Oh, terrific! And I I love what you're doing. You and I are pretty much on the same page. The only difference is that when I ended up with complete uh, financial choice, I call that instead of financial freedom or retirement or any of that stuff. Yeah. Without a purpose, I had, I felt just like I was floundering. And so I'm getting to donate a hundred percent of the profits from the work that I do to charity, which is giving me purpose and continuing to educate people about money. So commendable. Thank you. That leads me to my second question, which is what's the charity or cause that's most important to you?
1: Interesting. My wife started a nonprofit here in our small town about seven or eight years ago to help seniors stay in their home. It's kind of a neighbor to neighbor thing. So lots of neighbors help their senior friends uh, get to doctor's appointments or grocery shopping or gardening and that kind of thing. So my wife started that. She just stepped down from the board, but for the last seven or eight years, that's been her focus. And I've uh, spent a little bit of my energy there as well. But the key thing uh, that we've done, similar to what you did, when we were sailing around the world, our sailing kind of had three, uh, three phases, I would say. The first year or two was what I call the don't die phase. <laughs> and that's when we were learning how to handle the boat, how to be safe, how to not hit a reef and reef our sails and do all the things you need to do. And our focus was very, very inward. We were focused on ourselves. We had just retired. We were living this great life. And it was really an inward focus. I don't know if the word selfish is the word, but it was definitely inwardly focused. Yeah and then we had a the next period of our lives and all of the other sailors doing what we were doing went through these same periods i would say and we all became very focused on helping the people in the third world countries that we visited so we always carried school supplies and i carried fish hooks and tools and batteries that i could give to the men and we carried sewing supplies for the women and lots of extra clothes and we always donated all those things and that was kind of I don't know for lack of a better term a mutual benefit phase. We we benefited them, but they opened up their lives and their homes to us, and so we got to see how they lived, and it was really a wonderful part of our our sailing. But eventually, we decided that just wasn't enough on multiple levels. It was helping others, but it was a band aid. All the you know the school supplies that we brought this year, they needed more next year. And many of the places that we sailed to, they needed large infrastructure projects, which we couldn't really do much about. But we sailed into this uh, sort of medium-sized city in Indonesia, uh, the first port of call we've had in Indonesia, this place called Kupang, and a young woman approached us uh, on the beach and asked to be our guide so she could practice her English. And we spent several days with her. She was so amazing and smart and incredible. If she'd been in the US, she'd been on a full scholarship to Harvard and she had wanted to go to college. And luckily she had gotten one of the very few scholarships available to go to college. Her parents made about $200 a month by selling vegetables. And we knew that there would be so many other young women like her that, for lack of a few hundred dollars or whatever a college education cost over there wouldn't have that opportunity so inspired by her my wife and i in one week set up a college scholarship program and we met with the headmaster of the local teachers college and he agreed to waive all the red tape for anybody that we would sponsor And then we met with the headmasters of several of the high schools and we set up a criteria based on both uh, educational ability and financial need. And we went to all the other sailors like ourselves and we're just itinerant sailors passing through. It's on the route if you're sailing around the world, the next year it would be a different group of sailors, none of whom we knew, but we knew they would all feel the way we did about wanting to contribute because that's really the, the ultimate goal when you as you found with your own life. And so we set up a college scholarship program. That was 13 years ago. And we've now put 29 kids through five years of college.
0: Oh, that, that's so fabulous. Bless you. And one of the things that I always talk about is that wealth creation, and it doesn't matter if it's wealth creation, relationships, business growth, it's a team sport, not a solo sport and it sounds like you banded together other wandering sailors and really benefited the people of these areas so bless you for that well thank you
1: it's certainly in the happiness courses that i teach one of the the end go- the final thing that you find out that you need to do to be happy is contribute to others that's really the biggest one of them all i mean there are lots of, there's a framework that i teach for happiness and there's a number of things that go into it but One of the biggest ones that we all eventually get to, whether it's Bill Gates or you or myself, is contribution
0: to others. Exactly. Well, let's get to something else. Um, What would you say was your biggest failure or learning experience, whether it was personal or business, and what insight did you gain from it? How did you use it?
1: well i started one of the businesses i started i raised money for and we did a sort of a private stock offering and raised about a quarter million dollars and in no time at at all we had spent that quarter million plus another fifty thousand that we didn't have and about that time i became acquainted with tony robbins and i'm going back about 30 years now And I was able to do some things that benefited Tony. And he then invited us to be his guests at all the seminars that he was doing. And uh, one of the ones that made a huge impact on us was his financial destiny seminar. And it's really where we took control of our financial destiny because my actual business was making movies. And this business that we started was just a different way of making movies. And as I started my business at age 22, all I wanted to do was make creative movies. And if I made enough to pay the crew and keep the lights on, I was happy. And I was that way for a number of years, but then I decided I I wanted more and I wanted to start building a a better financial basis. So that's what I did. And unfortunately, this business never really made the kind of money it could have. We were not able to return uh, revenue back to our investors. But the things that happened through that allowed me to at least keep my head up high. So the, the we m- this was in about 1990, that we, 89 or 90, we started that. And my wife and I were each supposed to get a $60,000 a year salary out of this business. And we weren't making enough to do that. So I wanted to be able to look my investors straight in the eye and tell them I was doing everything I could. So I took zero salary for the first year while I was working about 80 hours a week. I would work all day in the business and then we were editing these, this, these films that we were selling and we could get better rates at the editing facility if you worked from 6 p.m. till 3 a.m. So that's what I did every night. I worked from nine to five in my office and then at six o'clock I was in the edit facility till two or three a.m. Then I slept for a few hours, I was back in my office. And I did that for a good part of a year, taking zero salary so we lived completely on my and when my wife only took half salary so she took thirty thousand so we were living on her thirty thousand dollars and we did that for the first year the next year i radically increased my salary and i took sixteen thousand dollars the next year while still working 50 and 60 hour weeks and what we had learned in the first year was that we could miraculously live on my wife's 30,000, which was, by the way, way less than we had made all the previous years doing our regular filming business. It was this new thing that we started that was not taking off like we thought. But what we learned was that we could live on her 30,000. So the next year, we took, we lived on her 30,000 and we put my little paltry 16,000 into investments and then the next year when i actually started when we both started paying ourselves i think we upped it to forty thousand. even though we were supposed to be getting 60 we still took even each 40 so i could still look my investors straight in the eye and saying i'm feeling the pain more than you are i'm doing everything i can to make it work and we took my entire salary and invested it and we took a little portion of hers because we knew we could still live on his thirty thousand. so maybe we lived on 35 or 40 but we were still of the total we were taking out of the business, 50% was going into savings and investing. And we did that for a few more years. And at a Tony Robbins event, I had written that I wanted to retire in five to 10 years, I think 10 years on my 10 year plan. And at the time I had about maybe $50,000 net worth. We had a little bit of investment and we had a little bit of equity in our home. And from when I had about 50 grand uh, four years later, we retired and took off to go sailing.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, that it, I, I'm stumbling over what to say because it's amazing to say that at, at age 42, that you were able to create complete financial choice and go sailing for 17 years with a a base of fifty thousand dollars.
1: Well, a little caveat there, when we left to go sailing, we thought we had enough. I figured we had enough to go sailing for three or four years, plus a little cushion to come back and get reestablished and go back to work. But the stock market was very good in those years. And at the end of four years, our nest egg was bigger than when we left. (laughs) So I couldn't afford to go back to work. I had to continue to sail because it was more (laughs) profitable. And so we sailed for about seven years and we had sailed all through the Caribbean and again our at the end of seven years our nest egg was bigger than when we left and at that point my wife wanted to sail around the world so we came back to the states and did a little refit on our boat and then we took off for what turned into a 10-year circumnavigation of the world so all in all it was 17 years and when we came back we still had a far far bigger nest egg and we came back and for the next eight years lived comfortably not working until as i explained earlier i felt a need to to go out and try and help more people be happy human beings.
0: Oh, terrific. Well, let let me ask you this, because I'm sure uh, the people who are listening to the podcast will want to learn more. They want to get in touch with you. Is there some free resource that you can provide that would direct people and provide more value to my listeners?
1: absolutely i will tell you uh, we have a pdf that they can download about uh what worked for us financially and i'm just going to tell you really briefly the four steps that are in that pdf and the first thing we changed was how we thought about money and we all have these limiting beliefs about money if you believe it's scarce it's going to be scarce if you believe that uh only uh, spirit spirit you can't be spiritual and rich and it's being spiritual is important to you you're not going to find abundance and you're a living example that that clearly is possible to be both spiritual and wealthy so we changed how we thought about money we started spending less on frivolous pursuits and saving more and this is a really a key thing because I rewired my brain to where spending money was painful and saving was pleasurable. So if you think that not buying that new outfit you want, you're denying yourself, it's going to be hard to do it. It's like dieting. We talked about, you yeah. and I talked about that before the phone call started. So I rewired myself to where when I spent money, that was painful to me. And when I saw my nest egg on my statement in my investing portfolio larger every week, that was way more fun than buying a new porsche and so that's what i did is i rewired how i thought about money i saved more than i spent and then i started earning more and then i invested wisely so it's four steps but i outline in great detail in a pdf that people can get they can go to my website it's just my name rob dot robdubin.com and go to the frequently asked questions page. And there's a little form to fill out and they'll get an email that they can download this uh, financial recipe of ours. They can download and that's something we always get asked is how did the two of you do so well on a 40 foot sailboat, 24 seven. I'll tell you, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary mm-hmm. last uh, Sunday. And we have some relationship advice there as well as uh, my formula or the, the framework I teach for in my happiness courses, that I do for businesses to help their employees be happy and stay on the job. Oh, so that's all available in my, in a, as a resource there.
0: Great. Well, I'm going to put that, that in the show notes so people can just click on it. Congratulations on the long marriage. That's fabulous. I'm very proud of you for that. And I guess the last thing, I'm not sure if we have time for this last question, but is there something I should have asked you? that would give some great value to the audience? And what the what would the answer be?
1: Well, I know you and I are living our purpose and we're very uh, firm in that and confident in that. And people always ask me, how do you do that? And I have to quote a friend of mine because she said it so much better than I've ever said it. But people ask me this all the time. How do you get on purpose? And I, what she says, my friend Gabrielle Boucher says, your purpose is the best of what you have to help others.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh.
1: And so if people are wondering, you know, it's it's very easy for you and I to do what we do because yeah. we know we're totally on purpose. The fact that we make money doing it for both of us, I imagine, is an aside. Uh, I know you donate all your profits, so that's terrific. And when you're on purpose, so many things fall into place. So your purpose is the very best of what you have to help others.
0: That that is such a great way of easily determining purpose. Rob, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to meet you this way.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I know we're kindred spirits, and uh, I know that's why we clicked right away uh, when we met earlier.
0: Thank you, Rob. And to my listeners, thank you also for tuning in. Now, next week, we're going to have David Jens, who created Australia's most trusted digital agencies, Melbourne SEO Services, which he systematized himself out of in 2016. Again, it's the working on the business, not in the business. Now, you can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes that touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose, again on the WealthOnAnyIncome.com website. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.